we talk about wanting to build row for decades. We want to build a large company that can help millions and millions of people and reinvent healthcare. And what better time to really embrace that and rally the team around it than in the middle of a international healthcare pandemic. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we're going to sit down with Rob Schutz, who is the Chief Growth Officer and Co-Founder of Row. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. So, you know, for people listening, they're probably familiar with your company, Roman, which is the digital health clinic for men. But before we dive in, can we take a step back and get a quick overview of Row as a company does? Yes, absolutely. So Row at Row, we want to become a patient's first call. And what that means is we have built a vertically integrated primary care platform that is focused on every piece of the patient experience. So we've built homegrown technology for patient onboarding, the physician electronic medical record, the pharmacy operating system. We have our network of 50 plus licensed states and DC on the uh, medical provider side, as well as 10 plus physical pharmacy locations across the country. We have several digital clinics. We have Roman for men's health, Rory for women's health, Plenity for weight management and several others. And we also ventured into at-home care with our acquisition of a company called WorkPath about six months ago that enables us to send phlebotomists and nurses folks homes. And just recently, uh, as recent as last week, we announced our acquisition of an amazing company out of SF called Modern Fertility to really strengthen our position in women's health and help accelerate personalized care uh, there. So I, I know we'll dive into it more, but also have some really exciting initiatives right now around retail as we push into new surface areas to meet patients at high level. You know, the thing that's so amazing about what you just described is the fact that the company's really only three and a half years old, but it's evolved so much. You know, you went from treating patients for one condition to really becoming this vertically integrated primary care platform. What led you to start with men's health? And was it always the vision to do this kind of vertically integrated across the spectrum? Yeah, it was always our mission to build something much larger, but we were very you know, we were very thoughtful about where we wanted to start and how we could establish a relationship with patients. And for us, we've always talked about this concept of, you know, meeting patients at eye level or this concept of a job to be done. What's the job to be done? Telehealth, as we started thinking about the ways in here, we realized telehealth has been around 20 plus years, right? There have always been companies who've been trying to go more direct to consumer when it comes to telehealth. And they've struggled in most cases because there's a real challenge trying to be everything to everyone, right? You look at the, you look at some of the pure play telehealth providers. They want to be the doctor in your pocket. They want to be there where and when you need them, which is great, but it's a really tough concept for somebody to latch onto. So we're here when you need us. And then the patient or consumer says, great, what do you do? And then company says, we do whatever you want. Like, what do you need? And it becomes this chicken and the egg type of concept where, Patient says, okay, I'll download your app next time I have a UTI or a sinus infection, right? What we found very early on, starting very specific with, with Roman and initially in sexual health, was we could meet patients at a high level. We could say, hey, are you having trouble being intimate with your partner? Do you want to quit smoking? Are you dealing with cold sores? If that's the case, you should come check out our site. And that became very powerful. It's a, it's a simple heuristic there, but it became powerful because then people could see that and they could say, 
oh man, I was thinking about that when I woke up in the morning, right? Like I'm already anxious about that. If I can now safely legally do this from my couch on my phone to connect with the doctor, it becomes a lot easier to bring people into the ecosystem. And so for us, jobs to be done and meeting patients at high level really means focusing on the things people care about. And when you do that, you can bring them into the ecosystem and you can help them with more and more of their overall health. But it needs to start with things that people are actually in need of and are already spending their, their mental own energy thinking about. So I want to talk a little bit more about telehealth there. There's a, a famous quote around the fact that technology isn't just adopted because it's there, but it's adopted out of necessity. And we've seen that over the last year with COVID. Mm -hmm. How has the overall impact of COVID been not just on the business, but really on the adoption of telehealth for years to come? Yeah, I mean... Totally. It's a great question. I think everyone would agree that COVID really pulled the future forward a lot faster, five, 10 years quicker than I think we were expecting. And one of the interesting things that came out with COVID starting to crop up at the beginning of last year is we realized very quickly that, yes, we, we were able to help people with some of the core conditions they needed help with and being unable to go to the doctor's office physically telehealth was kind of having a moment in the sun. But what we realized was we had been spending all of this time building out all of this infrastructure where we could be really helpful when COVID came around. So most folks probably aren't aware, but I believe it's March of 2020, we were the first company to launch a free nationwide COVID-19 telehealth assessment to help generally just triage care for symptoms of COVID-19. So we over the course of a, a long weekend, we had folks come into the office and work on putting this together, leveraging you know our physician network, leveraging our pharmacy network, so people could come in, they could enter their symptoms, they could enter their exposure or travel history, and then if appropriate, they would get connected to a provider to speak for free. So we help people in every state. We partner with really large companies like, like an Uber, who rolled this out to all of their drivers, along with 70 other companies nationally, and really just provide value. And What's amazing is fast forward a year later and all the incredible technology and work by, you know, pharma companies and researchers to, to bring a vaccine to market. We were actually then able with our, because we had acquired WorkPath and enabled at-home phlebotomists and at-home nurses, we were able to roll out a first-of-its-kind in-home vaccine program. So we partnered with New York State, the Department of Health, to vaccinate several thousand elderly and homebound population centers in Yonkers in New York and putting shots in arms. So it was really a powerful reminder for us that Roe was the only company to do that. We were in a position where because we had focused relentlessly on the patient and putting the services together that would enable us to have a national pharmacy and national at-home at home capabilities, we could actually pretty quickly turn our attention towards being helpful to the larger community when it came to COVID. So really exciting. And it, it was interesting. We got a lot of press around that time for, for the at-home vaccine rollout. And people said, how do you do this over six weeks, right? Like, how, how does this type of thing come together? And the reality had been like three and a half years plus six weeks, right? We were building on top of the investments we'd made to infrastructure. And it was really, it was a really powerful way to show the, the power of the platform and, and help folks. And then just in terms of overall impact on the business, I think it's really interesting to note that while people were stuck at home early on the pandemic and really couldn't go anywhere, and hopefully 
we're, we've really turned a corner now with, with the vaccination rates going up. But we saw treatment requests, unsurprisingly, really spike. And in certain areas, it was even more so than, than others. When you look at things like smoking cessation was up you know, 90% month over month. And dermatology for prescription skincare requests as everyone was spending their time on Zoom and video chats really, really boomed. So yeah, a great opportunity to prove the value of telehealth and have people understand what a powerful complement it can be to, to an in-person care. You summarize all of that stuff you guys have done over the year and a half, and it's been a pretty busy kind of COVID period overall. How did you communicate to the company that you were going to really lean into this moment and acquire a company, raise funding rounds, do this new program, and just take on all of that? Yeah. That was a great question. And it's honestly something we spent a lot of time making strategic decisions around and then revisiting and being very open and transparent with the company. I think that's one thing we've tried to, to do. We've tried to focus on and do a really good job of is just explaining context to the team, knowing that things are going to continue to change really quickly. So again, we, we were able to pivot in March 2020 to the COVID assessment and really push and start helping folks there when there were not a lot of answers. And then over the course of time, we realized one of the best things we could do over the over the long term in the middle of the pandemic was to really focus on building out our core business, right? People could not go to their doctor's office in person. They, they did not want to stop taking care of their health. So it more than ever pushed us to continue to invest in building out the infrastructure, building out ways to reach consumers and explain the value that can be provided. And one of the really exciting things we saw both early on and during the pandemic was just the ability to establish the relationship with something as important as I talked about before, right? Meeting patients at high level. You can establish the relationship by bringing folks in from all sorts of different types of conditions. But once you have them in the ecosystem, that's kind of when we have the opportunity to trick people into being healthy. You know, that's when they already have a relationship with the doctor. The doctor has access to their medical records. It's really easy for the doctor to reach out and say, hey, you've reached, you know, you're, you're 50 years old now. It might be time to think proactively about cholesterol testing or other areas. Can I send a phlebotomist to your home? You know, touch a button and enable that much, much easier than trying to bring in somebody for cholesterol treatment, right? There isn't as much pain. You're not waking up thinking about your cholesterol being high, but once you've already established that relationship, there's a great opportunity to go deeper there. And so that was a real motivator for us. We saw people continue to engage with their doctors to go deeper and deeper into their overall health and their underlying health and reinforce for us the ability and opportunity to continue to push. So telehealth really was having a moment in the sun. There was a lot of investor interest. There's a lot of consumer interest. And so we realized and respected that we found ourselves right in the middle of all of these different unique moments in time. And there's a great opportunity to take advantage because we talk about wanting to build Row for decades. We want to build a large company that can help millions and millions of people and reinvent healthcare. And what better time to really embrace that and rally the team around it than in the middle of a international healthcare pandemic. So for all the terrible things that have come uh, out of COVID, there's, there's also been a great opportunity to, sh to kind of pull that future forward and show, show what the future of healthcare can look like. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. 
Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. Speaking of that kind of future of healthcare and really going big on something, you recently announced you're moving into Walmart and not just with a small test and learn, but into over 4,600 stores of Walmart. Talk to me about that rollout and why was now the right time to move into retail in such a big way? Yeah, we're incredibly excited about the the launch of Walmart. And, you know, we're a few weeks in here and the results have been fantastic thus far. We've been talking with the team over there for, for quite some time. And for us, you know, a lot of brands do slowly roll out into stores and kind of understand their operations and logistics and make sure that they can accommodate the demand. We've, from the jump, always had really strong operational command over our supply chain. And so we said, you know what, let's do this. Let's launch in 97% of Walmart stores out of the gate. We know on the actual production side, we can back that up. We also have a national brand that has been advertising nationally for many years. could see us on TV all the time. We're an official partner of Major League Baseball. We sponsored last year's NHL playoff run. So we are on the map already. And we were so excited to work with Walmart given their overall footprint. You mentioned 4,600 stores. That's 97% of their stores overall. One of the incredibly exciting pieces about Walmart is 90% of all Americans live within 10 miles, 10 miles of the Walmart. And so when you think about building out the brand, continuing to expand the areas where maybe you have folks that are going up and down the aisles that aren't seeing you on, on digital from a marketing side or aren't seeing you on TV, couldn't really ask for a better billboard than having amazing end caps when you have 30 million people walking down the aisle every, every month at Walmart. So we are incredibly excited there. We think it's also a really good opportunity to diversify and help us grow, as I said, in areas where maybe we're not reaching patients or consumers right now. We want to introduce ourselves to folks as a healthcare company, but we do appreciate that for a lot of folks, healthcare, while that could mean starting by talking with a nurse or a doctor, for others, it means literally walking up and down the health and wellness aisles in retail. And so as we looked at our different potential options there, potential partners, the average age on Roman of a a new member coming in is 46 years old. It's actually the exact same average age as a shopper at Walmart. So from a demographic standpoint, the match was fantastic. And from a reach and overall surface area standpoint, we couldn't ask for a better partner. So we are very excited to continue to diversify our channels when it comes to growth, really, really lean into that brand awareness that we're seeing from having MCAPs across all the different stores. And then also just increase our product differentiation. We are one of the first companies at Walmart to offer products that are both first of their kind and paired together in a unique way. So in our NCAPs, we actually have daily health supplements across you know, testosterone support, multivitamins, et cetera, as well as sexual health. So when it comes to condoms and uh, Roman swipes, premature ejaculation, those are being combined into one NCAP, which is very cool in a way that we can kind of destigmatize some of the pieces around sexual health and also pair it with things across different categories. So again, incredibly excited about the partnership. We've, we've seen really fantastic results over the first couple of weeks here and we're excited to 
go even deeper. We haven't even launched any of our national TV campaigns to help promote the partnership. So we're, we're very bullish on where things are headed. And when you look at where things are headed, how are you thinking about that journey for our customer from going from the, the Walmart in-store, possibly crossing over to your overall telehealth products and services? Yeah, it's something we're exploring. You know, one of the ways we are looking at this is a lot of our current customers already shop at Walmart and are aware of us. 41% of our customers are actually already shopping at, at Walmart, we can tell within the last 30 days, uh, just by looking at credit card data. But it's a great opportunity to introduce ourselves to new folks who maybe haven't experienced a Roman brand before. So one thing we're doing as a way to test the ability to drive traffic back to our site and introduce them to the Rogue platform is including inserts with some savings offers that are you know, applicable to the products that they're buying. So we're tracking that. We'll see some, we're sending through vanity URLs. We'll be able to look at traffic and uptake and engagement that comes from that. But it is an iterative process. You also look at ad campaigns. A lot of times when you run these campaigns, you will center them in more of a geo-targeted way where you can say, hey, I want to run close to X number of Walmart stores overall. And we're going to kind of hammer that demo. And then over the course of time, we'll look at sales in those individual areas and see if, great, is that an uptick on the Walmart side that we're seeing purchase-wise? And then also, what was the impact on those geos when it comes to traffic to site and new patients submitting treatment requests or buying OTC products? So a wide variety of ways that you measure for this. We are still very much in the early stages, but we're excited to, to watch and, and see the progress there. If you look back 10 years, when D2C brands first launched, they were often seen as competitors to those retail partners. And now you're seeing it to be partners, not competitors. Why do you think the retail ch landscape has changed in such a way that a retailer like Walmart is going to embrace it as a partner, not as a potential competitor? I think big box stores now look to more challenger brands and D2C as a way to stay relevant and diversify their, their product offerings. It's interesting. I think they're... There's been a lot of discussion around that where some folks that will say, you know, it's table stakes for DTC to now enter into retail. And it's actually an interesting thought where, as I've thought about more, I actually disagree with that somewhat. I think that for certain businesses, entering retail is a great channel for distribution and for exposure. And for others, not so much. I think your unit economics have to be really, really strong when it comes to retail. And just relying on a retail-only strategy can become pretty problematic over the long term. In my opinion, and the way we've thought about it is retail is a fantastic complement as a way to associate ourselves with an amazing brand like Walmart, but at the same time, as a way to introduce people to the row ecosystem, right? We'll continue to track. We'll understand how many folks are coming into the website and engaging with providers of buying OTC products from our side, but knowing that there are a lot of consumers who introduce themselves to the healthcare system by using supplements and going up and down the aisle. So we think it's a great partnership and a great opportunity for us to introduce ourselves to those folks. Well, I, I think from the Walmart side and from retail in general, they're always looking for ways to stay fresh, to update inventory, to stay top of mind and make sure that they're servicing their members in a way where they're getting access to the newest, most interesting, most relevant products. Taking that a step further, if you look at a lot of, you know, let's call them the leading brands over the last century, they were products first, and very rarely did they really go into services. 
you guys have done a really interesting job of blending both and thinking about how they, they live in the parent company overall. What do you think has kept most brands from really moving over into the service world? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, some of that comes back to complexity. I think when, when you look at what it takes to operate a national physician network and a national pharmacy network, there's a lot of overhead that goes into that. Especially when you look at healthcare, you know, we have, we have found ourselves in what we call a regulatory spider web, where we are regulated by all 50 state medical boards, all 50 state pharmacy boards, the FTC and the FDA. And so there is a lot of overhead that goes into building and operating and maintaining those networks and doing it in a really compliant and a way that feels good for from a company perspective and for our patients. I think once you get into services, you add an additional layer of complexity that, that does take a lot of overhead. And so we've been really excited to be able to scale out the provider network, the physician network, now the nursing network, at home care, and those, those different foundational pieces. It's actually something we're really excited to work with the modern fertility team on as well as they expand out from at-home tests for ovulation and hormone and pregnancy testing and prenatal vitamins, but how to tap into this infrastructure that we've built on the services side to enable consultative care, to enable physician interactions, et cetera. Yeah, it's something we take great pride in, but it takes a lot of overhead to maintain and do it the right way. So before being one of the founders of Roe, you spent time at Bark, which was arguably one of the, the leading kind of initial D2C brands out there. How did that experience really shape the approach that you took to Roe? Yes, I, for the five years prior to Roe, I led growth and marketing at, at Bark. And it was an incredible, incredible experience. And one I look back at fondly, although as I have learned kind of subsequently, it almost felt like cheating when it comes to the creative you get to use. You know, when you're using pictures and videos of dogs, it doesn't get much better. You basically put a CTA on that and you're, you're off to the races because everyone's just looking at pictures and videos of animals online anyway. But it was, it was an incredible experience where I got to be, you know, as employee seven there, it was really the first growth hire and got a chance to do a lot of testing, try a lot of things, try a lot of channels. I actually was telling someone the other day, I remember running newsfeed ads on the first day that those came out. It was like, wow, this seems very effective. But when I was running on Facebook, it was like, wow, we got like 20 people today, like a $5 cap. We should do more of that. Now, rates have gone up a little bit. But just the ability to explore and try new things and figure out how to scale was really, really pivotal and happened to be at a time, I guess that was 2012, 2013, where a lot of these channels that are now table stakes were kind of in their infancy. So I look back at my time at Bark really fondly and, and think a lot about how lucky it was to be able to learn how to test, how to scale, how to structure tests, how to build out teams and organizationally support growth. I think those are a lot of the lessons that I was able to bring over to Row, which is how do you think about growing more of a consumer-based company that is focused primarily on the consumer, or in this case, the patient, and making sure you're being really, really relevant to them in all your different touch points. So yeah, I, I think obviously slightly different subject matter when it comes to overall health, and meaning patients at eye level with, the, with their health needs versus you know treats and toys for dogs. But I think there are a surprising number of overlaps and lessons learned from, from my days at Park that we were able to really quickly apply into Roe. 
Well, Rob, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit down and chat and congrats on not only all this success with Row overall, but for the exciting uh, launch of the business at Walmart. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com. Thank you.